Hey, welcome back. It's the 95th episode of the OpFat cast. And finally, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. This is the end of the Whoopathon 2020. We finally made it through the vast majority of Whoopi Goldberg's comedies. And I mean, I'm not entirely convinced this is the end because probably at some point people will be crying out for an episode four, in which case I will uh, drag the corpses of my dear co-hosts back to the land of podcasting. But for now, this is it. We've already lost one person. Sean Glynis has decided that it, this has all been too much for him. And also he had to move. So, you know, whatever. Fuck him. But he's, he's not joining us. But we do have Jack Eason back here. Good to be here, Steve. Jack, I am just overwhelmingly happy to have you. Uh, I got to ask, though, I, you know, you're a fucking Irish guy. I Some did not. I, speci- I specifically, <laughs> I specifically said I didn't. I didn't want an Irish guy for this fucking podcast. You know that. <laughs> so I don't understand what you're doing here. But I guess we'll just we'll just roll with it. So whatever. Thanks for keeping me around. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> See, normally I try to think of something at least like semi-creative for mocking you. Um, I just, you know, for being Irish. But uh, today yeah. it's just I, I can't. I can't believe you're Irish. <laughs> something, something incredible, like just saying the wind that shakes the barley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many really times you watch the wind that shakes the barley this week? Huh? <laughs> no, no, I was too busy watching the associate. <laughs> also, this is a this is a professional podcast, Jack. And if you can't turn down Danny Boy playing in the background, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. <laughs> Duly noted. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Coleman here. Is here, Steve Coleman. You're back. How you I'm holding back. up, buddy? This has been a lot of podcasting, a lot of Whoopi Goldberg for you. This is not your your normal life cadence. Are you Are you doing okay? I'm a little sad. This is bittersweet. That this is the end of the journey. Ah, uh, well, you know what? I'm I'm glad that you could join us because you are our resident stand up comedian expert, and uh, we really haven't had many opportunities lately to melt your brains. So thank you, thank you for everything oh, that you do. Uh, I'm really proving that very hard these over these three episodes. People are going to be very impressed, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally impressed. Totally impressed. And Adam Myros is back with us. Como estas, Adam Myros? Uh, de nada? I don't know. Don't speak no Spanish to me because I don't understand what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> you know, Whoopi, I'm on the same page for once. Wrapping oh. in a taco, dumb motherfucker. <laughs> oh, oh, God damn it. Whoopi is on fire in one of these movies with the the anti anti Latino rhetoric. So uh, we'll we'll talk more about that. Anyways, I, I just want to jump right into this. I figure let let's kind of start off with a few high points because I feel like we've come to the end of the line here. But in Whoopathon episode three, we may have found some of the best Whoopi. Yep. Many would argue the best Whoopi. Um. So why don't we just straight off the bat, let's talk about Fatal Beauty, which for my money, best Whoopi Goldberg movie that I have seen. It is from the director of Fright Night and the original Child's Play movie. So it's a guy who knows what he's doing. It's got a decent cast. 
It's well paced. It's occasionally funny and it is obscenely gory for really no reason at all other than for funsies. So is this the best Whoopi Goldberg movie? Yes. <laughs> I'm moving on. Jumping Steve, Jack this Flash. Is, so this, this is a solid three out of five. It is. It is. And that's exactly what it is. For once in my life, I'm like, yeah, that was okay. It's pretty good. Totally fine. Yeah. yeah, I said in the chat, this is the only movie out of the whole uh, this whole three episode uh, project here that that if it were playing on uh, cable TV, I would I would maybe consider watching it. Sure. I mean, again, it's got some good shootouts and it's pretty fun. And Brad DeReef kicks ass because he always kicks ass. He plays a, a brooding, evil, psychotic henchman, which is the role that he was born to play. Also, it's a movie about people who snort cocaine that's laced with PCP and fentanyl. So they go completely crazy and then die, which is pretty kick ass, too, because you get to watch a bunch of coked up people do crazy shit. And that is the fatal beauty. Yeah, that is the fatal beauty. It does make you think. It's kind of like watching like a Bravo reality show. It's the same type of shit. Just people coked up going crazy. And Whoopi Um, gets a handsome love interest. She does. Holy shit, does she ever. Uh, This is, again, another reason why it's good is she has a handsome, semi-believable love interest in Sam Elliott. I can't believe they got Magnum TA to be in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) i and uh, sam elliott is i mean he's always great he's always uh he's always handsome and charismatic and he perpetually looks like he's 60 years old so good for him man (laughs) somehow he's great his his hair should not work in this film and yet i am enamored with it somehow it's just (laughs) it's there's so much of it but it works yeah it's he's got this long flowing feathered mane it's oh god i just want to use this conditioner He's like straight off Roadhouse for this, right? I he, yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah, oh, this, for sure, for sure. Yeah, th- this film is just weird. Like, it's strange as it started to just sort of like, I found myself chuckling at a few bits and it just sort of has energy and it's Whoopi Goldberg doing, I feel like, what we thought she would have been doing in all of her films. But mm-hmm. it's just in this one that she's basically kind of gruff, sassy, yeah, sort of a little edgy, uh, in a way that's not good, but certainly is uh, more more palatable than the telephone. Um, and, and just quick fire. This, like, this is Beverly Hills Cop. I think Burglar wanted to be a Beverly Hills Cop cash-in and didn't have any of the energy. It's all here. This is actually, uh, like, if you can watch Beverly Hills Cop, this is a reasonable, it's not as good, but it's a reasonable facsimile you could drop in. Like, this is much more successful, lazy marketing filmmaking, I guess. Yeah, they actually sure. get Harold Faltermeyer to do the score, too. That's right. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it is pretty wild because this is beat for beat. It's Beverly Hills Cop. Like, that's that's all it is. It's just swap whoopee in. But it's odd to me that she tried to do this so many times. Like... Uh, Burglar, clearly, same year, is another movie trying very hard to be Beverly Hills Cop. And another movie that we're going to talk about later, Jumpin' Jack Flash, which came out a couple years prior to this. Maybe one year prior to this, I think, 86. Same type of thing. It's it's just, it's got the Beverly Hills Cop energy. It's, it's a little bit different, but I don't know why she decided that her, her career path was, I have to be shitty Eddie Murphy. That's That's all I got going on. <laughs> well it's it's just remarkable in this because this film has like 
you mentioned earlier, like it's a weirdly gritty film. I think it's it's apparent the director came from horror. You know, every every gunshot is a is a bloodbath, which I think is great. You know, that's fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's got jokes. It's got author bits where Whoopi Goldberg is supposed to be flustered or flustering someone else and being funny, and it just works here so much better. It's nothing new, but it, it's just kind of it's remarkable, like that we've gone through all of Whoopi Goldberg's quote unquote comedies, and we're just keep level with where are the jokes? Even if you don't find them funny, at least you can understand the jokes in this film. Um, just feels like a much more you know, kind of like a script that someone actually looked at where like Burglar mm-hmm. just feels like it fell through a grate and somehow ended up being made by accident. I don't know, you know, fell in someone's inbox. I can't explain that one. This works. This is pretty solid. This It's all downhill yeah. from here. The the action is, it's honestly underrated. Like there's, there's some crazy over-the-top shit in this. Specifically, there's a scene where Whoopi shows up to some sort of like hostage situation shooting crime scene and there's this giant dude who snorted a bunch of the the fatal beauty coke and there's a scene where he like walks down the steps and all these cops just shoot him like a hundred times and he just terminator (laughs) walks through all of them so he can shoot one cop and it's it's fucking awesome just totally over the yeah, top. And there's another scene the too budget for uh, for headshots in this movie. I don't no, think no, everyone just shoots the, the perps like uh, 150 times in the chest. That's right, center mass, baby. Yeah. Uh, there's another great scene with like a, a coked out rich lady, and Whoopi's like, "Hey, I just want to ask you some questions." And she's like, "Fuck you! You came to my house. How dare you!" And she keeps like swinging on Whoopi and shit. And finally, Whoopi just throws her through a glass window, which is again. Awesome, great scene. She that's like the weak like it, to be fair. There's a few things. The action in this pretty pretty hefty, but like it does look like Whoopi Goldberg has never handled a gun in her life. She's got this like limp wristed kind of thing. She looks like she's very worried about it. It's sort of strange, but I guess kind of funny looking at it. Also, that punch she throws that sends the the mom through the glass is like the weakest. Like that <laughs> that glass is just something happened. You know, beforehand, mm-hmm. pre-weekend, <laughs> this woman's probably been thrown against that pane of glass several times before, and that's just happened. Also, it's kind of weird that we don't know, is she just like, obviously she's a, a racist white lady, that's that's obvious, but it's like, is it the coke, or is it just her being a white lady? It kind of muddies the waters, so, you know, good mm-hmm. writing there. Who knows? Yeah, this does hit the racism quota, though. <laughs> I feel like that subplot's my favorite thing in the movie. It's it's just all fucking batshit where this like kid just shows up at her house and they like go on some tour of a corpse late in like high school party. It's amazing. Yeah, that kid just keeps showing up. I like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it almost like the camera would pan over. Almost, they could almost make it a subplot where it turns out he's a ghost. He was. <laughs> you know, why not? Go for it. I also uh, really enjoyed my, my, the, my main note for this whole film, maybe my only note for this entire film, is just New Jack Whoopi. Uh, which is because <laughs> they, they have that, that fantastic scene. The scene you want in every single cop film, which is nude uh, like minority people sorting drugs. Uh, which New Jack City, obviously, I feel popularized. Even though I think that came later than this, actually. Maybe we need to oh, yeah. give credit where it's due. Had, do, has there been an earlier instance of this? I don't know. Somebody needs to trace Not this. that I can think of. Yeah, but so so we've got a bunch of... They've they got a bunch of Asian people 
stuff and drugs and one of them's laughing really really hard because he's high apparently although everyone else turns into a murderous psycho on this stuff i don't know like this kid just looked like he was being really chill but of course like everyone else he just gets riddled with bullets well uh, yeah this is (laughs) again the action is great and Whoopi is not very convincing as a police officer like you said but uh, she definitely nails the I'm a racist piece of shit part of being a cop. Like the opening five minutes or so of this is just completely over the top. Like Whoopi is undercover and she goes to a strip club and she just orders a drink, which turns into a giant racist scream. Yeah, it's Cheech Marin is the is the barman. So, you know, yeah. you got to yeah. throw your punches. Yeah, it's weird. like 80s cop movies. So like being racist was like being streetwise. They were like coded the same way. Yeah which was probably in retrospect quite bad that that passed yeah. really well. But it's like, you know, yeah, I know how to talk to Mexicans. And it's like, Method oh, in a no. taco, dumb motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's how it works. And then, and then she basically, she goes like full MAGA here and is just like. I know you people. You people come up here under the bushes and shit. And then you want people like me, God. hardworking people like me to get down on you. But forget mm. it, you ain't got no teeth brushed. Yep, <laughs> it's got that Harold Faltermeyer thing. Faltermeyer uh, isn't he an immigrant? And <laughs> possibly, I don't. I have research yeah. in Germany. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so Faltermeyer providing a soundtrack to the wrong kind of race coming to America, not like him. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful that, film. That scene also fucking batshit because that it like she goes to save that hooker who's getting beaten and then. Her main character trait is that she doesn't like to be called a bitch. That's but, yeah, I'd forgotten yeah, that. That, that beating scene is this is like crazed maniac, like kicking her ribs in and screaming the N word over and over again. And she's like, "Did you just call me a bitch? How dare you?" I'm like, "Boy, oh, he said a few other things." <laughs> well, I mean, she established in earlier scenes that she's cool with racism, so it's it's just the bitch that, that really pisses her off. It's like a carbon offset, but for racism. So she yeah. gets Which, X number of instances, and then people get to call her the N-word, and she can't do anything for that period. Yeah. Which is why when I use gendered language to describe Whoopi Goldberg, I only call her a hashtag girl boss. It's the only <laughs> thing she'll accept from me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was kind of hilarious and stuck out like a sore thumb in this uh, was the name of... Whoopi Goldberg's character, which is uh, what the it's like fucking pasta fagioli or something or what is yeah, her she's name? Italian for Rizzoli. Uh, uh, Rita Rizzoli. Rita Rizzoli. Yes. <laughs> she's Italian, and then uh, when people are calling her like ah, Rizzoli, uh, you, you could just you're like okay, whatever. And then there's a scene with Sam Elliott where he's like, you know what, Rizzoli, I like Italian women. They got these big, beautiful brown eyes. You just get lost swimming in them like you're wading in a sewage pool. And I see those eyes on you, you big breadstick lasagna hunk of ass. And she's like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, what? This scene doesn't make any fucking sense. And I figured out, I figured out why. And the reason is, is because one thing that has been consistent throughout the Whoopathon is... A movie is made for someone else. They drop out, and then you just slot in Whoopi. And this movie was meant for Cher, so that's why. <laughs> wow, 
it really but is nobody like stopped to think like maybe we should change this slide where you're explicitly talking about one how much you love Italian women two how much the black woman standing in front of you is Italian three how much you want to fuck her because she's very Italian which she is not <laughs> And and again, this is probably the ep- apogee of this entire journey is this film right here. And another thing I really enjoy about this film is that she very pointedly drives like a pink Mustang, which I feel like was them gunning for like a, a, a you know, kind of franchise potential, you know, be like a thing. Um, but it's really just she just drives around in, for some reason, a pink Mustang, but with like all full police regalia and everything like she drives it on patrol. That's her her unmarked squad car is a pink, hot pink sports car. Um, so, you know, definitely you feel like, you know, kind of the like writers thinking, what would Eddie Murphy do if he were a woman? Like a really <laughs> strong energy of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's about all I've got on that point. Well, I think this movie cracks the formula of, you know, you maybe you can put like a cast of characters around Whoopi Goldberg for fucking once. Jesus Christ. It's amazing what c- capable actors like Sam Elliott and Brad Dourif will do for your fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's weirdly. I mean, she plays off Sam Elliott. It's also like, strange because, I mean. She fits very naturally into like the romantic chemistry they have. Just the presence of it. It doesn't feel weird. It seems strange that everyone ran away from for so many of the films we've talked about. And it's just like, why? I mean, other than the fact that she's Italian, apparently. Um, <laughs> like, hey, forget about it. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this movie was a colossal box office failure, but I think it was, it was critically maligned as well. Uh, this is again commonality in Whoopi's career. I don't know how she continued to have one, uh, but I guess the color purple gets you far in life. But for my money, if this is on TV, I wouldn't turn it off. It's a it's a perfectly if you're hungover on a Sunday morning and you just can't move off the couch, you you don't need to groan and complain while this is on. It's totally totally fine, worth checking out. So, other than this. We also happened to watch in this uh, this four movie package of Whoopi goodness. What I would say is probably the second best Whoopi Goldberg movie. I might have to slot it above the old sister act here. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, which is the earliest Whoopi comedy post color purple, and this is where she, I don't know, kind of established this quirky character that she seems to play in about half the movies that we watch her in. Uh, this one pivots away from the police procedural goofy stuff into espionage, <laughs> like bumbling civilian stumbles upon KGB CIA MI6 plot thing and hijinks ensue. Uh, this is another one where it's it's not as good as a fatal beauty, but... It's entertaining enough, and someone was smart enough to put some competent human beings around her. If you if you put a skinny John Lovitz in a movie, you best believe I'm going to want to watch it. So, uh, what did you guys think of this one? It was my favorite of the four we watched, actually. Of, of all the whoopies we've watched, um, I was actually kind of surprised that I would be the only one saying that <laughs> today. Um, but I think that... Uh, I can see why she kept getting roles 
very similar to the one she has in this one, uh, and very similar to the role she has in Jumpy Jack Flash. I think she, I kind of found her charming <laughs> and endearing, and this wasn't great, but it was it was a lot of fun. And maybe I was just bogged down. I watched Fatal Beauty before this, and maybe I was just sort of bogged down by like that crime procedural gritty kind and, and of the thing. racism. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, you know, it's fun to see a young Phil Hartman as well. Uh, you mentioned John Lovitz. Oh, but, yeah. Um, he has so much hair. It's amazing. <laughs> it's this thick, luxurious head, and he's got the uh, the center part going. It's it's really quite beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's got a great supporting cast, and it's a shame that they don't play a, a, a bigger role in the movie. Um, it's also super fucking weird because as as good as Whoopi is and it's it's competently directed but there's a few choices that are kind of a head scratcher um specifically she communicates with this british spy over this bank computer network for whatever reason and at some point in the movie it doesn't start out this way but about halfway through her communication with this guy they just overdub a british voice Yes, <laughs> and that yeah, kind of threw me for a loop because, the, well, well, because the thing that was driving me nuts was she. It's not like it wasn't presented in a way where you're like, oh, this is like what she seems to think his voice sounds like. There would be times where she wasn't looking at the screen, but the British voice would be reading what he was typing off the screen, and then she was kind of like reacting to that. I'm like, what? The, what the fuck? How? <laughs> It is, uh, yeah, it, it's a strange one in that, like, what struck me from those scenes was um, this film was kind of ahead of the curve. It, like, it found a problem that I, like, that film wouldn't really find, uh, the mainstream wouldn't really find until, you know, nearly 15 plus years later, which is that people typing on computers is not cinematic at all. It's, like, a really difficult thing to make engaging, which I think is one of the reasons why I would I would rank fatal beauty a little ahead of this this one just it kind of dips a little too much here and there it is otherwise very inoffensive kind of entertaining film it's certainly yeah i like i guess it's the second best of everything we've seen it was sort of weird we ended up accidentally on on these two high points after so much dreck but um it it does lull it has some kind of weird parts of it um just the, the the conversations, the voiceover is strange, but yeah, the rhythm just really drops down with that. There's other weird things like Michael McKean with like an English accent. That's a strange casting thing that happened. And yeah, what about yeah. Spinal Tap? Oh, well, you know, yeah, I'd forgotten. Well, yeah, was that even a tie-in? He wasn't doing the same English accent, though. <laughs> so, like, that's not even a crossover. Uh, if that was, I guess it was probably... He, he went from thick over. northern. He went from thick northern accent to uh, a posh southern. Uh, yeah, to London posh southern. Yeah, maybe he's undercover. Maybe the whole thing. Maybe Spinal Tap was a was a psyop. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting movie because I think it turned out pretty good for for what it is. But also, like many Whoopi Goldberg movies that we covered, it was kind of a complete just hellscape of a set and was in development hell for a very long time. So David Mamet actually wrote the original screenplay for this, if you could believe it. But David Mamet's version had too much profanity 
So they had to rewrite it, but they were trying to rewrite the script as they were shooting the film. So they ended up moving scenes around. They ended up changing dialogue. There's all kinds of things that they had to move around. Also, the original director was supposed to be Burt fucking Reynolds, but he <laughs> dropped out before they started shooting. So they got Howard Zeef, who's the guy that did My Girl, and he replaced he replaced Burt Reynolds. But within six weeks, for some reason, I, I haven't been able to find any information on why specifically he was basically forced out shit canned after six weeks of shooting which is a pretty substantial amount of time for a movie like this and then they brought in penny marshall who did uh big and like laverne and shirley to to finish the movie up so you've got this crazy script it's getting the texas chainsaw massacre 2 treatment where they're just writing scenes before they shoot them and they had to rotate through three directors which is completely nuts and on top of all of that, another situation, mark it on your fucking scorecard, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was not originally slated for this starring role. It was actually for Shelley Long, who plays like Diane in Cheers, and she dropped out. So what do you do? It's the 80s. Uh, an actress just dropped out of your film. You, you call Whoopi. You call 1-800-Whoopi, and she's there for you. Or an actor, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or an actor. Yeah, right. You, I mean, you, really, you could man, woman doesn't matter. But you know, I got Whoopi Goldberg. That's fine. I did get Whatever very. Um, I did get really scared when I saw Jim Belushi pop up in here. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, flashbacks. How, how, oh, pre Homer. Homer. <laughs> how hard did I pop when I saw Belushi hit the screen? Homer. <laughs> <laughs> It's just what, fucking one thing, losing it. What one thing again I like about this film, or it feels notable considering what's gone, what would go come after it, I guess. Right, this was Whoopi's really like one of her first headlining role. Um, mm -hmm. is that like there's she's allowed to be sexy in this film, glamorous. She goes in undercover, almost like a sister act prelude where she goes in undercover as like a, a singer. Um, but then she gets her dress caught in a shredder and it's like a gag that's clearly predicated somewhat on like a sexual tension of Whoopi Goldberg being like a woman. Um, and it's all laid out there. I don't know if Penny Marshall had to, I, you know, I, like if I, everything else, I don't know if it just came out because it was already in the script for Shelley Long and they just didn't bother to remove it. Thankfully, no one calls her a blonde at any point in this film. They they obviously caught that much. But yeah, Or if Penny <laughs> Marshall maybe fought to to keep it in there because it seems like pretty quickly they were like Whoopi Goldberg's not really a woman uh, you know she's only sort of a woman and we're not going to go there because it makes people uncomfortable apparently um, so it's nice this yeah. film has her as kind of a I think I agree with Stephen like oh she's she's likable you know kind of charming and pretty well rounded all out you know so yeah oh, this is sure. better than later also I think this gives us a little insight into when when Bette Midler uh, decided not to do sister act and they're looking for a replacement i picture whoopi getting that call and they're like well whoopi we're thinking of you but we don't know if you're if you're right for the role and then she looks at the script and goes well there's a scene here where i sing you can't hurry love by the supremes and as you know in jumping jack flash i already did that song so what else do you need from me and they're like yeah fucking sold <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a very bizarre like adr scene too i'm like what in the hell's going on with this like strange obvious lip sync thing to do yeah. Uh I, I think 
did you see the rest of this writing credit uh, thing? I mean, Mammoth doesn't even have a credit on it, but it does have credit really? uh, writing credits from Nancy Myers and Stephen D'Souza. <laughs> uh, which, who, who would we know them from? Well, Nancy Myers, I mean, obviously has yeah. written about a thousand rom-coms, but Stephen D'Souza mm-hmm. is the writer of like Commando and Die Hard. <laughs> and very well-written films, those are, Adam. Oh, he's he's fantastic, but uh, it's just bizarre. This is quite the writers' room they had going for this. Well, you get, you got to call in the A team. They're like, "What is it?" Well, it's a romantic action movie. All right, give me the romance guy and the action guy. Uh, we don't have a romance guy, sir. Give me the romance lady. Except uh, I yes, don't sir. even know if it is like what is the genre of this film. I, <laughs> Sorry, you guys are, are more fond of this than me. For this, I think this might be like Whoopi's best performance of all of these films, but the film itself. I I thought it was really flaccid. Like it, uh, the whole structure. It's almost like a war games level of this computer stuff that it doesn't really have any kinetic energy to it. And it's it's a lot of, again, you guys are talking about this voiceover they applied to the uh, British spy who is what Jonathan Price, uh, eventually for like five seconds in the movie. But uh, Whoopi too is just like having this long series of monologues to the computer that are it's it's just very strange it's got, yeah, i, I it's found got, this movie it's got a weird, like drag very badly in the middle yeah it's got a, a surprising russian novel element to it um, yeah, which yeah. is you know not a, i know it's a spy film but really there's not even russian spies well actually no it is sorry i forgot the, the, there isn't really a good cogent bad guy either um when he's revealed you kind of realize you assumed he was the bad guy all along <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it is, it's one of those things I think a lot of these films suffer from, where it's um, a little over complex. There's a lot of moving parts for very little reason. I think Fatal Beauty has a touch of that as well. Just uh, well, well, hold on here, hold on. Whoopi is kind enough because I, I was thinking the same thing during this movie. I'm like, wait, like who's a good guy, who's a bad guy? Ah, espionage thriller. How do I figure out who I'm supposed to root for? And Whoopi is kind enough to make a list of good guys and bad guys for us. So then I knew. That's what it takes. Truly our audience <laughs> surrogate we needed. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, Myros, I, I don't know why you had, why this left a sour taste in your mouth. What are, you, are you saying you don't like the dad from seven, Seventh Heaven? What has the dad from Seventh Heaven ever done? Uh, you know, I, I do agree with his, his personal viewpoint, in, but... Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't enough to sell me on the film. I, I don't know. The pacing was just a little off here. Even even the Can dad believe- from Seventh Heaven could not pu- bring it home for me. <laughs> Can you believe that I'm the dad Adam from Seventh Heaven? He he like five years ago he came out and he was like, "Yep, I uh, I definitely uh, molested underage girls." And everyone's just like, "Whoa, dad from Seventh Heaven!" And then if you if you look at his career, he's just continued to get roles. That's whatever. Yeah, no, it's no. Fine. Everyone was like, "Whoa, don't say that out loud again." And then everything continued as normal. <laughs> but, but yeah i'm with adam also i this is like just like this is on the two star out of five for me just because it really uh, the the computer scenes just drag like oh. all hell i thought you were gonna say you were with him on your views on the dad from seventh heaven but no was, i was gonna I specifically say i'm not that, right? <laughs> i mean he definitely did some things he's he's a guy He's no, well, actually, no, he's he's better than Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe really just did the one, but he videoed it, so mm. who knows? Yeah. Now, All right, well, now that we've, <laughs> we've covered 
the high points of Whoopi Goldberg's comedic career. Let's go back to what we're used to, kids. The real stuff. The real the real meat and potatoes. Sh- should we not have Goldberg. like bookmarked like this episode with one each rather than just getting it all out of the way first? <laughs> nope. Steve, you screwed nope. us again. Nope. We're, we're, we're diving into the deep end on these. Let's talk a little bit about Made in America. Yeah. A, a, real, a real American tale. <laughs> this is the story of Whoopi Goldberg and her darling daughter, who, uh, you know, Whoopi's a single parent. Her partner passed away from unknown causes. I think cancer. Maybe that's a known cause. I don't know. And... She decided after he passed that she still wanted to have a kid, so she went on down to the uh, local sperm bank, got her vial of jizz, and uh, got a little baby stuck in her. And when her daughter grows up, she becomes a high school senior, and she says, I want to know who my real dad is. And so she goes to the sperm bank with Will Smith and finds out that her dad is, wait for it, Ted dancing in a cowboy hat and hijinks ensue. So amazing. How do they think of this? I I don't know, but okay, guys, you ready for this? Whoopi Goldberg was not the person they had in mind for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And she actually had the script completely overhauled and rewritten, uh, specifically by her request because she wanted it to be about race and feature a black family at its center, uh, which is amazing because it's not about race. At all. It is <laughs> like the most limp dick movie about race. It is. I mean, at its core, it should be about race. And it's crazy. Like the swerves and the gymnastics that this movie goes through to avoid discussing race in any meaningful or even comedic way. It's, it is um, very it's confusing. absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg is like a she owns like an Africa shop full of you know things about Africa, and yet then they, we we have a shot in her living room. There's nothing in the decor or anything that would suggest that it isn't like a sitcom set for like a Jim Belushi sitcom or something. It's just completely <laughs> American. Nothing remarkable there at all. The production designers phoned a lot of this film in. Save your nasty comments. I don't care. Whoopi is an African queen in this. She runs a gigantic African bookstore, a novelty shop in Los Angeles. Or no, it's San Francisco. San Francisco rents even higher. And All she her films are set in San Francisco. It's weird. I wonder if she lived there. Is, also like, weird. She, is she doing like a Steven Seagal thing where she just doesn't want to like travel more than like three blocks from where she lives? That could be. That's entirely possible. That's yeah. entirely possible. But yeah, good on her. She owns a house. She uh, has a, 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 a thriving shop where mostly old white ladies shop based on the people in the background. <laughs> During the various scenes that are shot there. Um, the two customers she has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The two customers she has the entire time. I, I will say, though, this movie, it's it's a giant pile of shit. And it sucks. <laughs> and it's entirely too sentimental. And the last hour is like some of the least funny shit that she has done full stop. Like this side of telephone. It's as bad as it gets. But for some reason... 
the first like 30 to 45 minutes of this movie, I genuinely laughed multiple times. I don't know if it's just like, if it's Jennifer Tilly being Jennifer Tilly, if it's Ted Danson in a cowboy hat that really tickles my funny bone here. Something about it. There's there's something going on in the beginning of this movie. There's a definite I, Jekyll and Hyde effect. It is. And it, and it just it just turns on a dime, too. Holy shit. It goes from like, oh, man, great. Yeah. Where it, like, peers off. That's my mm-hmm. recollection. Fuck. Yeah. Well, that, and, that's like one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> It's it's a hundred percent the elephant scene because if you think about it, like it's all that is, it's just like a callback to an actual funny scene in the beginning of the movie where Ted Danson in a cowboy hat is shooting a used car commercial, and there's like a bear, and the bear like mauls him, and then he gets electrocuted, and they turn that into the commercial, and it's like ha 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 funny, and then basically this joke is just like okay now we're doing an elephant. And they're like, oh, okay, and hijinks will ensue. And in fact, they do, but it's just real fucking stupid. Yeah, they ensue because Whoopi Goldberg is inexplicably ringing her bike bell like uh, 7,000 times in the span of this scene. Yeah, the film has a weird, uh, like the film has like a problem, I feel, with distinguishing between its, because we say it it starts in comedy and ends in drama. Um, um, But it has like a weird problem distinguishing its comedy and its drama. Like she arrives in that bell and that bell rings and it sets off the the elephant and a big you know chase ensues but like she one of the running jokes is that her bike is always a source of trouble but like it's a joke and then later on it turns into like a very real traffic accident that injures her but it's the exact same thing that was happening before it's like she's funny she rides through junctions there's just a weird imbalance to the film it doesn't seem to understand why it's trying to tackle issues in the latter half, which I guess probably makes sense in finding out that Whoopi Goldberg requested them to rewrite it. But yeah, it's like to to try and wring the most meaning out of this film I could, I thought it was interesting that Whoopi Goldberg was a black woman who was very proud of being black and yet really her life seemed to reflect nothing specifically black whatsoever. It was pretty much just like, you know, standard American family, which is the overall message of the movie, I guess, is that we're all Americans, um, you know, which is basically the kind of thing like I'm colorblind is like anyone who says that probably is not helpful in the slightest. But it's also weird that Ted Danson's a cowboy because he's not convincing as that. So it's like, is there a performative element of him being a white man as a cowboy? You know, the cowboy's like the ultimate white symbol. And then Whoopi Goldberg being you know, pointedly black, but also blending in? Like, is there some context there, some kind of like a vision of how America kind of shapes and molds people to fit together? And there isn't. I I really had to work very hard to come up with that. But I just wanted to let you know what I thought about for a bit while I was zoning out while an elephant was fucking running into a lake. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's made in America. Uh, Also, the Uh, daughter is just shitty. They never oh, yeah. addressed the fact she hacks the system. Like, Ted Danson gave sperm. It's private, anonymous. And she tracks him down, just shows him, goes, I'm your daughter. It's like, he has no legal responsibility to this kid at all. They just ignore it. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that that's whole thing like is the weird. the crux of this thing is that you're supposed to be like, well, that Ted Dance is a real piece of shit, but what the hell did he ever do in this <laughs> no, movie? Yeah, he he's not. He fucking living his did, life and everyone busts in and calls him an asshole. Yeah, he did nothing wrong. And yeah, and the the big thing is that Whoopi Goldberg requested a black sperm donor and they screwed up and Ted Danson's white. Although we later twist at the end. It turns out Ted Danson isn't the daddy. 
isn't the dad anyway which just further muddies like oh this film that you thought was about something but didn't really manage to be about that it turns out it isn't even about that anyway because it turns out that it's not her dad so like a real waste of time and in the end credits are like sister act two like it's a big party in the end credits it's like are we just are you trying to make us forget what happened just like oh this is a fun concert end credits are very 90s and very insane i definitely want to talk about that but i gotta say I'm, I'm with you guys on the ted danson thing like when ted danson is being a you know heavy finger quotes here asshole that's when he's his most likable i think he's living his best life he wakes up uh next to peak jennifer tilly he <laughs> lights a half smoked cigarette up and starts smoking and then he eats pizza off the floor that's called relatable content okay <laughs> He's fucking great. Everything but the and everything but the Jennifer Tilly part, quite relatable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's he's he's totally fine. And then they they just throw this fucking curveball at him. And then when he becomes like the nice guy, the daddy figure that this movie wants him to be again, even though he has no obligation to and really shouldn't. And his whole thing is he decides to cheat on slash dump Jennifer Tilly. And in addition to that, when he becomes Mr. Romance, I think he's a total fucking creep. He goes on this date with Whoopi where they're walking around and they, they go and eat sushi and then they're they're like walking through the streets and he goes, what's that smell? What's that smell? Whoopi's like, uh, me? He goes, let me, let me, let me smell you. Let me smell your hair. It's like beautiful, fresh cocoa butter. Oh, yeah. It's fucking horrible. It's weird. Someone could have done with a little more of that energy. That would just... <laughs> just Vince I, I, McMahon should be in this movie. Yeah, this, this film does have, um, you know, it's because it gets one thing right. It surrounds Whoopi Goldberg with capable surrounding people. But honestly, I was just left wishing for more. Like, Will Smith is pretty good in this, and he, he doesn't Dude, have to do a lot of things. Will Smith yeah, he, fucked me up in this, okay? <laughs> I, it took me basically the entire runtime to figure out that he was the platonic best friend of the daughter. Yeah. Like, at first, I was like, oh, that's her boyfriend. And then oh, I, I was like, wait, uh, no, maybe that's her brother. And then I was just, oh, no, they're they're just friends i i think Steve, the whole, you're just making associations here you're showing I, your ass i am i'm showing my ass but but i think the part that tripped me up is the entire reason that this movie thinks it works even though it doesn't is because it's obsessed with blood tests to determine <laughs> like <laughs> there are a, lot of, a lot of blood tests there's a lot of blood in, tests in normally a the, family comedy <laughs> The first but why blood is that happening test, in high school? You're like in biology class, no. fucking figured out your blood type, and then going just like, cut your finger open. Yeah, why would you? Well, why would you fucking know your dead dad's blood type? What the it's fuck? It's part of the act. It's I, part of well, actor act. It's part of active shooter training. Now <laughs> all the kids have to know their blood types so they can triage better afterwards. <laughs> well, so but but when when they have the first scene in the beginning where they're in like the science classroom. And she finds out that like, oh, based this is my blood type. And then Will Smith's doing his blood type. She's like, that's not possible because blah, blah, blah. And you can't be that if this is who your parents are. And that, blah, blah. And I thought she knew that because she looked at Will Smith's blood type. So I was like, oh, they're related. No, they're not related. And I don't know what it, she did in an unseen portion of this movie. Did she cut open her mom's finger or did she ask for her 
dead dad's blood type? Who the, I don't even know what the fuck my blood type is. How do, how does anybody know this? Theoretically, yeah, since we don't know. What, I couldn't tell you yeah. what my blood type is. But this really? her father <laughs> has been dead before she was born. Uh, under what circumstance on earth would she know this person's fucking blood type or give a tin <laughs> fuck about it? Because she, she's a scientist. She's a, an award winning. She wins the scholarship at the end that just pays for college. I don't know what she did to do it. There's no vision of her doing anything particularly for her scholarship um but she's just good at science uh, which is wonderful um very positive message there that if you are prodigious that's good yeah well I, okay so aside from the blood type nonsense which again is is just brought up as the dumbest clunkiest fucking plot device like they're they're in a hospital and all of a sudden they're like uh oh, we we need you guys to give blood because uh we need your blood types right now that's a thing that happens in the hospital all the fucking time i fucking bet <laughs> And then the I don't doctor think so. pulls Ted Danson aside. Like, like, hey, uh, by the way, uh, you're not her dad, just so you know. <laughs> what? You think there might yeah. be confidential hey, uh, medical information. Yeah. <laughs> Between uh, you and me, a little uh, HIPAA violation here, but uh, you're not her father. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? But, okay, so what this movie seems to think it has something profound to tell us about love and and... and race issues in the 90s what is this telling me because i cannot for the life of me figure out what it's trying to say this this movie is like i always think back to the do the right thing spoof in the critic the tv show where the spike lee character throws a trash can through the pizza joint's window and then uh, the pizza joint owner comes out and is like thanks for finding my trash can <laughs> you know and that's <laughs> that's this movie just it's basically like, America's different. It's a blending pot. There's a lot of different cultures. And the great thing is, we all get on great. Roll end credits. And what what is the what is the benefit to revealing that Ted Danson isn't the father at the end? Did we need... Is this the love conquers that's, that's all? A, well, yeah, thing because that, we that means that... That means white people can like black people without having some kind of a guilt complex making them do it. It's like he's free, oh. but it seems like he's still going to hang out with her. Oh, cool. Be like a, a, maybe a lot of time has passed in this movie that I'm unaware of, but the fucking end it just seemed insane to me where he's like, you can call me father. It's like, what? Why would I do <laughs> that? that? You're, you're not my father. Like the, Go away from my graduation, like, you fucking white cowboy asshole. <laughs> they, they know, they've known each other for like three weeks in the film, too. Like, it feels like It's like three weeks from meeting a complete stranger, finding out he's not your dad, and then going, you know what? I can still be your dad. <laughs> I'm going to call you dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the lesson of the film. It's kind of like that America is a wonderful blending pot and we all fit together great, but only if you have a dad. Like, that's important, and you need that in your life. So it's a really yeah. powerful message for anyone who doesn't have a father. Well, I mean, I guess he okay. has a, a fuckload of money. Look at his house. So maybe that was the uh, reason that she accepted him so readily. That, yeah. that, that would help. Yeah, no, this she wants to open like, was, a second location for the bookstore. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, the one thing I would say, like, going back to an earlier point, is like Will Smith, I think, is great in this film in the comedic side role because he's basically just Fresh Prince kind of character, a little bit less... Uh, gregarious or whatever but like still kind of like f fun cool uh, Jennifer Tilly is great playing just a ditzy girlfriend um, and I wish they were in it more uh, I just feel like they are they're not like neither of their characters are particularly well developed but they're like they're they're good comedy kind of props and they don't appear enough in the film and I really was like just get Ted Danson and we'll be Goldberg out of here for a while because again this kind of goes back to 
after the first 25 minutes, we're back to Whoopi Goldberg not being funny. You know, her yeah. physical comedy after that is her rolling through traffic, but actually getting hit by a car this time and having to go to the hospital for some reason, even though that was a joke earlier in the film, except that she didn't get hit by the car. But like, she is a hazard to traffic. And that's hilarious and endearing and delightful. Yeah, it's, oh, Jesus. I, I don't even know what this movie. Um, I will say, though, there is some some potent sexual energy between Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg, but I am continually perturbed by Whoopi because we never get to see Whoopi fuck. Why isn't Whoopi fucking? She almost fucks in this movie, and her I and Ted Danson are all PG. over each other. And get, get this, in Fatal Beauty, there was supposed to be a sex scene between her and Sam Elliott, and you can kind of tell where it is because there's a scene where um, I think she like is is getting out of the shower and then like Sam Elliott's gone or something. And it's right after they have this really intense conversation. But we don't get to see him. Fuck. They shot a sex scene. OK, for oh, Fatal they Beauty. They shot it. it. Yeah. Release the fuck <laughs> cut. I want the Fatal Beauty fuck Whoopi cut. Fuck. Yeah. Let Whoopi fuck. Get it trending. Get it trending. Let her fuck. Yeah, I do. Why have, is she fucking? Um, I have very young memories because I remember when Made in America was in production there was a lot of tabloid gossip about Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson having, like, dating. And, like, there was this big thing about how when this movie comes out, there's going to be this really intense love scene between Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg, and it played into their real life. And at one point, Whoopi was getting roasted by the Friars Club, and Ted Danson showed up in blackface. It was like a whole huge thing. I think that story was bigger than this movie ever became. But that was a huge deal, like, in the... 93 or whenever this came out you know i remember that story went international i remember when that happened too and yeah and it's i don't i i don't i only remember it was notable i don't remember if at any point it was like was ted danson found to be wrong for doing it i really don't know i feel like in the 90s would have been like but he's willing to bang a black person so he can't be racist <laughs> he's um, allowed to do blackface when it's for her yeah oh, i see like i feel like it would have been that kind of like a, a liberal kind of you know announcement of like you know it seems wrong to us but like he's he talks to a black person on a regular basis so he's fine like joe biden he was a joe biden in 1993 absolutely whoopi was the corn pop of 93 (laughs) that's right he's got that that big biden energy yeah i just remember like uh, i just want to smell you I remember like uh, <laughs> Leno and Letterman being on because they they apparently after they broke what up had smell? some fight about is that you? Ted Danson had a small penis or Whoopi Goldberg had a giant vagina or something. They should make oh, a God. movie about this. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch I that Larry movie. <laughs> Larry David is friends with Ted Danson. Get him get him writing it. That would be remarkable. Honestly, is uh, is Vince McMahon available to play a young Ted Danson? <laughs> <laughs> I know he, I know Vince McMahon doesn't have a problem with blackface so I think he'd be ready for the role perfectly fine oh god and yeah I, I mean the, the thing that we should end on here with this movie specifically is the 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 ending is the most cornball 90s bullshit imaginable so they have like Ted Danson shows up to graduation, gets on stage with this girl with the with the daughter and Whoopi, and she's like, "I'm gonna call you dad anyways." 
And you'd think it would end on a freeze frame, but Will Smith goes, yo, we got something special for you guys. And then they go into a full song and dance number that's like intricately coordinated and runs the full duration of the end credits. I love where the the uh, graduation sequence is basically around her getting a scholarship. It's like everyone's finished high school, but this one girl is actually, you know, doing something with her life. Yeah, it's a very the rest weird of you vibe. Yeah, and like, and then the musical number is either for her getting a full scholarship to college or the fact that a white guy is now her dad officially. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Either that's, way, things worth celebrating. Wonderful. The that's whole right. Community. I am entertaining people from the big world of show business. Oh, what a talented woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little cop, telephone throwback you. got rid you. of uh, your yang, yang, yang. This had the... Uh, yang, yang, yang. <laughs> <laughs> said a good callback with that whole sushi restaurant. I was like... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, how she... Sh- I bet there's outtakes. I bet she, she oh, regaled them with the classics. <laughs> By popular it's, demand, they were banging honestly, on the hibachi grill, going "Whoopie, do it!" And she, <laughs> oh my god, Aha, it's a Japanese joke. Very funny. How say yeah? So that, the, the whole gag when they when they go out to eat sushi is, you know, fucking Vince McMahon Ted dancing is a hayseed. He's never had sushi before. It's like, I know, what do I start with? Oh, there's fish. There's there's rice. I'm going to eat this green blob. I'm going to eat the whole fucking thing. I'm just going to devour it. And then he just eats, he eats the, the wasabi and then he's like, ah, ha, ha. And everybody, everybody laughs. And, ah, ha, ha, ha. It's a Japanese joke. Very funny. Yeah. And that's what happens. And you're Ted dancing. That's the most powerful sexual energy, Steve. I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. It's good. Oh, I, love, I just, I love this green shit. You just gotta, oh, I snort it up. It clears my sinuses before we fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the the funny thing about this was I, I I watched I watched this movie and then later that night I was watching Bob's Burgers and it was an episode that it's it's all about Teddy and he's got a date with a woman but she wants to go to a sushi restaurant so they're trying to get him to try sushi because he's afraid of eating sushi and the first thing he does is he eats the wasabi and it's I mean it's pretty much the same thing so <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot of that going on in my life. Um, whew, yeah. Well, Made in America sucked ass, but oftentimes we ask ourselves on this podcast, can something suck more ass? And the answer is, uh, yeah, maybe. It's possible. <laughs> Whoopi is known for playing sympathetic characters that we all love and can totally identify with. And what is more identifiable than a rich investment banker who is also a landlord because she inherited a six-unit beautiful Manhattan brownstone from her father. And the answer is nothing is more relatable. And that's what you find in the movie The Associate, which is, weirdly enough, a remake of, like, some 1979 French film. Do you know what the 1979 French film is called, Myros? No, Steve, I don't know. L'associate. L'associate. <laughs> yeah, it's we called both, the... It, we it, both got there. Yeah, that's the... Jo- yeah, that was going to be the joke. I was going to say, yeah, it's called the associate, you fucking idiot. Come on. Get it together. Because I know you people. You people come up here under the bushes <laughs> and shit. And <laughs> it- isn't, that, isn't that written by, like, Jean-Claude Carrier? I think yeah, I, I saw I, that somewhere. I think so. I think so. And then that yeah, is actually based on a, uh, so like a 1920s like novel. basically by way of Bunuel. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing. No difference. <laughs> I wish it was this. It isn't. It, co- it uh, kind of is, actually. It has that chaotic 80s energy, except this is 1996, which is already bad for it. But it, it reminded me a little bit like The Secret of My Success, because it's one of those films that's like, corporate America is just bad and awful and makes no sense. It's like a Kafka-esque nightmare. And also, you should absolutely want to be good at it and win. And mm-hmm. I don't understand that in those films. This has the same thing. It's like, you know, uh, finance, etc. is terrible and just ridiculous. And it's an old boys club. But also, you know, it'd be pretty sweet to just get in on it because it's fundamentally great because you make a lot of money. Yeah. Again, like Made in America. Not really a great message film here. <laughs> no, not at all. Not fucking at all. Uh, I think you so, should kick yeah, we'll the be Coleman a... here. He's the one who made us watch this thing. <laughs> yeah, this is a Coleman choice. Thanks, Coleman, Coleman, why? You why? That's the only question I have for you. Uh, I just saw it on fr- on YouTube for free and thought, ah, oh, we could throw this in there. <laughs> oh, I thought <laughs> you made that some personal connection to the associate. Nope. I, I thought it was because you, it. you love... Well, there, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the correct is, answer. In, for like a, a business comedy hijinks film, it is incredibly slow. It feels like it's three hours long. I was just I like I didn't fall asleep in it, but I checked the time every so often. I was like, "How is only fifteen minutes changed? Like so much happens in this movie, and none of it's interesting or useful. It's just an incredible amount of event for almost no purpose whatsoever." I just I can't mm-hmm. believe Whoopi had three comedies come out in the span of nineteen ninety six. Um, cause this yeah. came out, this was the last of the three cause we also had Bogus and, uh, Eddie. I was going to say, why is didn't, there like why a didn't worst Bogus? year for Eddie, uh, lead actor ever? <laughs> this, I don't well, think this, so. This is the two of the three to give a cameo to Donald Trump as well. So mm-hmm. really a winning year all around for, for Whoopi Goldberg. Which I want to say the reason why Donald Trump is in Eddie and also the associate is personal request from Whoopi Goldberg because she... I was friends with him so it's great really, that's really even shows kind of shittier than the reason i assumed he was there <laughs> i just assumed it was because donald trump had made himself readily available as the rich guy because he didn't have a real job so he was readily available to be the rich guy but mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoopi actually roped him in and is now on the view defending harvey weinstein and biden and it's really just tremendous yeah, they should great. make a movie about that. That would be a Whoopi Goldberg film <laughs> worth watching. It, it is pretty dope. Like if you think of a single like disgusting political figure or sexual predator from the last, say, I don't know, 50 years. If you go on YouTube and just type in Whoopi Goldberg defends and then whoever that person's name is, you're going to find something like even the most indefensible shit like go go to youtube if you're listening right now go to youtube and type in Whoopi goldberg defends ray rice and she's just like well you know i saw the video and he uh beat the shit out of her and dragged her into an elevator but you know if if you if you slap a man you're gonna get body slammed onto a concrete floor oh thanks at least she at least she got the cosby show reference in made in america in before 
the Cosby mm. show took on very different connotations oh, for everyone. She still loves defending Cosby now, too. Uh, she loves <laughs> it. She's constantly not. doubling down. Because it's the people are, well, you know, Whoopi, um, now he's in prison and, uh, you know, 70 women have come out that, you know, have said that he drugged them and raped them. And, you know, I just, uh, what do you, do you feel bad about what you've said? Or, and, well, and, of, as a former Quaalude user. That's all she can give you. That's <laughs> the whole time. She's like, I don't know. Nobody really knows. <laughs> Boy, you can't beat that line of argument. That's fantastic. Well yeah. done. She, no nonsense, no malarkey, just like her friend Biden. No, no malarkey. I don't like snap judgments because I've had snap judgments made on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does anyone ever like? What, what kind of snap judgments have been made about Whoopi Goldberg other than <laughs> your movies suck ass and your politics are horrible? <laughs> she must know some people like just the fact she's she kept going this long. And I think I believe the associate is her last film with top billing. Like she went from mm-hmm. three years ago, the highest paid actress in Hollywood to three years later, she would never headline another film again. Well, this movie she... made like it made like ten dollars or something ridiculous. <laughs> like it, but this is one of her biggest her failures. Films, like it feels like Sister Act and Sister Act Two are the only movies that like clear profit. I think Made in America probably did okay, but like so many of these films did not do well. Like Homer and Eddie, who that did made no one got rich Homer! off of that. <laughs> Even Sister oh, so yeah, Act especially well. I don't think it it, it cleared, but it didn't make double its money or anything. <laughs> that's and that makes sense because it's terrible yeah, yeah. but yeah it, it's just so confusing that she went from like it's just incredible she went from that to i guess theodore rex slotted in somewhere where she got it just another ginormous paycheck and then tried not like tried to not release the film which is really the ultimate way to work get you know fully paid and then never have to reveal what you did um and just like within three years just sort of needed someone else to prop her up um, well, yeah, Theodore Rex, is, Theodore Rex is only one year prior to this. Yeah, and I'm sure it contributed to it. But like the associate is just such a. Again, it's kind of like she's uh, she's given a lot of space to do stuff, but it's a confusing film. Does it's sort of like I don't know. It's confusing, but also really, really generic. At the same time, it's like uh, the world of finance is like an old boys' club, and you can't succeed as a woman. Um, and the fact that we're supposed to like we're we're supposed to support her as a woman, even though as Steve mentioned, she's inherit like she's literally a landlord to a six unit like six unit building. She just has passive income she inherited, but she deserves to make it in the world of finance because totally. god damn it, she's just great. Totally cool with late rent payments, by the way, too. Well, yeah, she's a chill landlord. She's a <laughs> chill the, landlord, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's a, which you know the the deal like the benign despot, just that wonderful sweet spot we're all looking for, um, and then she you know the the world of finance is all like an old boys club. Everyone knows each other, but we're supposed to be convinced that this this person she invents is just taken into the fold. Of course, it's her brilliant ideas, uh, which are mostly blind luck, by the way, not even really good ideas. Um, that where you know everyone's like buying in on this this guy she creates, uh, whatever something. Cutty, uh, I can't remember what Robert his name Cuddy. is. She Robert gets, Cuddy. Robert Kid Cuddy. Cuddy. She gets a name from a Cuddy Sark ball or whatever. Very great gag. Um, it, it's a film that just does, uh, like everything. I guess would have to considering its main focus is like making like being successful in business. Uh, like it's a film that believes in absolutely nothing. 
it doesn't hold anyone account. It doesn't have any kind of a comment on like the comment is it's literally um the the like you know the liberal like hire more female guards the film for anyone who doesn't get that twitter reference it's like you know don't fix the system just hire more women to preside over it that's this is the motion picture of that it's like finance is terrible but black people and black women should be allowed to be terrible within that system too that's equality um yeah it's it's just not a very uplifting film it's not uplifting in the way i think they meant for it to be it's also yeah. weird that i think uh, made in america admittedly addresses this but I, I watched this one first and it just struck me i think i was like at that point 10 whoopi goldberg films deep maybe and i feel like the first time i saw whoopi goldberg kiss anyone on screen she was in full white prosthetics as a man <laughs> Dude. very jarring first of all jack i just want to say that you know when i think back about how the economy was completely ruined by the uh, economic and, and housing crisis of 2008, the one thing I keep going back to is if only there was a woman presiding over the housing crisis. Absolutely. It would have been way better. I would have felt much better about, you know. She could have given the, little tips, you know, yeah. little housekeeping tips for things you can do when you're taking everything out of your house because the bank kicked you out. Yeah, it would have been great. Um, but the, <laughs> this movie, like, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is is known for asking for rewrites and for you know butting heads with directors and we've, we've come across this on every single episode that we've done so far and i just want to know why at no point when she was reading the script for this she was like wait a second maybe we should change some things <laughs> because the pitch of this movie is essentially okay so you want to be the ultimate girl boss right but First, you gotta you gotta do a reverse Mrs. Doubtfire, but instead of a father trying to win back the affection of his children and soon-to-be ex-wife, you're trying to rule over a finance empire. And she's like, "Okay, I'm listening. I'm listening." And he's like, "All right." And here's the twist: for the whole like last like the third act of the movie, we're gonna dress you up like the judge from Nothing But Trouble. Just straight up fucking gross ass grandpa prosthetic. You see, like, fuck you yeah. know, I'm coming at this from a different angle in that it feels like it, it wants to be like that sort of farce. You can see sort of the French roots to it, but the white face stuff works better than the rest of the fucking movie. Jeez, the, the whole thing's like paced disastrously. The stakes are ripped out from under it because it's like. Oh, she had to put up her apartment for collateral. And then it's never mentioned again the entire rest of the movie. And yeah, it, like the, when she's dressed as this absurd old man with a ponytail and B.B. Dewworth is trying to seduce her. I'm like, OK, you know, I, I get it. It's a it's a goofy farce. I'm having a bit of fun with it. It's just the rest of the fucking movie is just it's such a slog. I hate those scenes. This, uh, like, one of these things with a lot of these films is they cast, uh, they go, they're try I think they're trying to be a little better about it now, but it still pops up, is they, like, cast a woman in the main role, so it's like, this movie's progressive, and then there's just so much just misogyny in the film, and this film has a thing where Whoopi Goldberg spends the entire time just deriding that other woman for being a whore, yes. basically, <laughs> but then she pests the system through literally federal fraud, is her methodology, whereas the other woman just kind of sleeps with men, but also seems 
to kind of enjoy the fact that she's able to basically dupe these guys by just banging them. Like, she actually seems pretty on top of things. Maybe, you know, like, that's... I, I Quite literally. Do, I no point. Quite literally on top of things and in charge and good for her, frankly, within a broken system. I don't understand why the film harps so heavily. And, like... Whoopi Goldberg like refuses to sleep with her as while she says a white man. It says, "No, use your brain. You're a woman. You're clever. Use your brain." And then the next thing she does is go on like date on like Sally Jesse Raphael or something and claim she's pregnant from that night's down where we know obviously she couldn't be because Whoopi Goldberg is a woman and they never had sex. And it's just such a weird beat of just like pointless misogyny of just like ranking women uh, and Whoopi Goldberg is good and this woman's just a, just filthy whore well, isn't and awful like Whoopi Goldberg's entire character is like a huge piece of shit like she just she judges B.B. <laughs> Newer's character calls her a whore essentially she uh, belittles Diane Weiss character uh, throughout the first act of the movie and it's just until she until she like puts everything in a database yeah, yeah she, and then it's she, like uh, oh you can make me richer you, you're you're useful to me oh Fantastic. she suddenly realized that secretaries have value and they're not just fucking dirt on my shoe it's like what the fuck is the point of how am i supposed to be rooting for this character again i wish this was full-on mrs doubtfire because it, <laughs> it as a farce maybe it works but as as it currently exists it's just it sucks yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. She doesn't even. She doesn't even do like a a, a different voice when she's wearing the makeup. You Not know, really, you got to no. give me the. You you can't compete with when Mrs. Doubtfire like shoves a pie on her own face and she goes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like that fucking kicks ass. You know what just occurred to me, and I don't know how to like bring it back. I guess we talk about feminist values. Uh, we never mentioned that in Jumpin' Jack Flash, Whoopi Goldberg bit a guy on the dick. I've talked a lot about. <laughs> I've talked a lot about you know romantic affection and stuff. But in one of her, in her first film as a leading actress, she bit a guy on the dick. So uh, maybe maybe I've been too harsh on her in terms of like erotic charge, etc. I was really into the dick bite. Like that that was my favorite part. <laughs> I can't believe we forgot about that. And the weird thing about that is I was trying to think of the logistics of it because her hands were tied because she was trying to like send a message on her computer and the guy was holding her. And then did she like undo his belts and pants with her teeth and then just like chomp in? Was No, was it, I think like, she just bit him through the pants, didn't she? Bit I him through the pants? Okay, I didn't know if it was like peeking over. How much did she get? Like how much dick can you bite through a, a pair of slacks? Does, is, is he enough. Is he uncut? Did she just get like the tip of the aardvark snoot? Like what? I need to know. Based on the reaction, <laughs> I'm going to guess she probably got his testicle in there somewhere. Yeah, she probably got his balls. You're right. You're right. Okay, well, that See, makes a lot, sense. Of, a lot left to think of, you know, yeah. film. Much to think about. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, the the end of The Associate is probably, I mean, this, we watched, come, I almost called it Coming to America. We watched Made in America, which has the dumbest, most hokey fucking ending imaginable. But The Associate's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and one-up you on this one. So Whoopi tries to, kill off the old white man character that she's playing but her nemesis uh the other finance bro he brings this guy back from the dead essentially using some rudimentary like archaic photoshop skills <laughs> and then Whoopi shows up in makeup to the the meeting of the the peabody old boys club <laughs> where uh you know nothing but trouble guy is getting 
inducted in, which is, uh, you know, it's only for uh, old men. Uh, sorry. And she shows up and she gives this speech about, you know, it's an exclusive club. But the thing about exclusivity is it, uh, it keeps people out. And then in the middle of this speech, she decides that because, again, it's the 90s and it's Whoopi Goldberg, she has to kiss the guy just because she wants to shock these old men with gay stuff. Well, yeah, to, that's ruin, cool to, to ruin do. his career. That's, yeah, to ruin his gonna... career. Mm-hmm. That's great because she's a good person. And then she, she peels off the makeup. And I swear to God, I have never groaned louder in my entire life. Then it, it, they pan over to the, the mouth agape, gasping old white men in the room. And there's a single old black waiter and he just starts <laughs> clapping. And then everybody looks over and they start nodding and they're like, yeah, this is it. And then, and then they, they cut over to a bunch of women who are just like standing in the lobby and they're like, yes, Quaid. Yes. Yeah. And it's then absolutely- it's, and then the music hits and roll credits. You're like, what? She committed it's a great fraud. example. <laughs> yeah, the film asshole. just like she, she doesn't she doesn't represent women. She doesn't represent black people. She's you know I mean she she literally she's doing finance for fun because she's leasing a six unit building in like downtown New York. So she's probably doing pretty okay. Um, yeah, she doesn't represent women because she spends most of the film being shitty to women uh, fully. So it's sort of yeah, it's it's really jarring that at the end of the movie she's like the hero. Um, for doing all this. Plus, also, um, one thing that was really confusing to me was I assumed when she sat down, her friend, she becomes a man because her drag queen friend is able to drag her up. But by drag her up, he's literally just a full prosthetic head cast and like fully animated head. I assumed it was going to be done with makeup and it would be much more interesting than, you know, there's a big reveal of her as a white person and it is full prosthetics and i was like how did that happen like it was done in like a makeup chair in the back room of a nightclub that the drag queens perform in as i recall Mm -hmm. just a very weird thing they had to do that i mean not that it would have been i don't know like the logistics i mean white face isn't really a thing whatever fine um (laughs) but i don't know whether it's better or worse as prosthetics or face you know makeup it's just a very strange... I mean, this film, that you don't really know how to feel because you're mostly just trying to get over to the next thing that's kind of like seems so yawningly out of touch with today's mm-hmm. society. Uh, I think the 90s was more racist than the 80s, which is something maybe <laughs> I, like, I... Maybe I knew that already, but I'm just surprised to learn it again. I'm sorry, what year did Telephone come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, no, I, the I, only I, the only minority that Whoopi Goldberg's character represents in this film is the one percent. <laughs> basically, rich black people who were out for themselves. Basically, that's it. I think they could have got a, a full extra star for me if uh, the person doing her makeup was Harvey Firestein. <laughs> yeah, that would well. And again, in Mrs. Doubtfire, busy. Harvey Firestein is he's like a he's like a Hollywood makeup person. So it makes perfect sense that he's creating this elaborate prosthetic, but here it's just a drag queen who happens to be able to make you look like nothing but trouble without the penis nose. That's fine. <laughs> I managed to do it to the satisfaction of literally she's in a room with a woman who wants to have sex with her and can't tell it's makeup. Like, this is incredible. There should be, I mean, honestly, the, the drag queen makeup person is the hero of the entire film. Yeah, the mask is horrifying. I I cannot stress that <laughs> enough. Like even nothing but trouble is is 
really that's that's not fair to nothing but trouble. It's more like uh, Harmony Korine's like trash humpers, the masks that they wear in that. That's what it looks more like. It's fucking horrible. Uh, this this film probably overlaps more with trash humpers than it would like to admit, just in terms of a <laughs> vision of America as just a wasteland. That's that's about right. Well, I guess it's about time we we wrap up the 2020 Whoopathon. What a journey it has been, gentlemen. But before we close out, instead of asking you what you're going to put over this week, I've I've got a different question for you. I want to know out of all the Whoopi Goldbergs that we've watched, or maybe some Whoopi Goldbergs that we haven't watched, which Whoopi character do you want to be friends with and hang out with? You got to pick one. Who are you hanging out with? Which Whoopi? Jack, go ahead. This this is difficult. Um, I'm immediately uh, drawn maybe to her most charismatic version. I'll just, I'll deal with the racism. Fatal Beauty Whoopi is pretty fun and good to hang out with. But the problem, my, my only concern is that she does shoot an inordinate number of people for no reason in that film in a clearly mm-hmm. illegal fashion. So I might put on a jacket. But yeah, I'm going to hang out. I'm going to put on a Kevlar jacket and I'm going to hang out with Fatal Beauty Whoopi Goldberg. Good choice. Myros, how about you? Uh, I'm going in a similar vein, but I'm going to go with Burglar Whoopi Goldberg. You know, I get to hang out with Bobcat, get hammered. And... <laughs> uh, sounds like a good time to me. That's, that's that's a clever misdirect. You just chose to hang out with Bobcat because Burglar <laughs> Whoopi just sucks. Well, she's just there while Bobcat's also there being fun. Uh, yeah, that's you. You cheat. That's that's cheating. I feel like <laughs> that's who do you want to hang out with? Who's standing next to Whoopi Goldberg in a movie? She's got like that yeah, panic guess- room apartment. It's pretty fun. I, I don't know. I, I'm going. With, I think Burglar's a fine choice. Yeah, Burglar works. I'll take it. I'll take it. Coleman, how about you? I'm gonna go with uh, Metsy from Nine Eleven. Mm, mm. What makes you choose, what made you choose choose her? She she's a really good elevator dispatcher. Uh, so so Stephen, you're just saying you can't even entertain the possibility of living in a world where nine eleven didn't happen. Right. <laughs> I thought about that the entire film. I'm the only one who watched apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in the film, she's like everybody loves her. Louise Guzman is like really good friends with her. She gives somebody a gift at a diner across the street before she heads into work that day. Yeah, she's uh, she's happening. She's uh, spending those big elevator operator bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the question is, does she make it? She makes it. Yeah. Oh, oh, she gets okay. out of there just before she, uh, the North God. Tower collapses. The only one That's who doesn't make it, spoiler about. alert, is Charlie Sheen. Everybody else makes it. Though. Oh, True everyone hero. else. Yeah, <laughs> man, everyone, every every last person. Nine Eleven killed one person. And it happened to be Charlie Sheen, <laughs> who's worth about three thousand. Let's be fair. Yeah. Uh you know, I I thought about this for a long time. I apologize time. for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this for a long time and I was I was actually going to pick Whoopi in in the 9/11 movie but I haven't seen it so I wasn't sure how things, you know, shake out for her in that one. So decided to go in a different direction. I thought about Fatal Beauty, but I you know, I fucking hate cops. So that kind of makes it difficult for me. Jumpin' Jack Flash, she's kind of fun in that. She's pretty entertaining. But at the same time, she's one of those people who has a bunch of tchotchkes on her desk, and I, I cannot abide by that. I would be super annoyed. So, 
I uh, I decided to make the logical choice here, and that's Whoopi Goldberg's character in Homer and Eddie because, <laughs> you know, I know she's gonna kill for me. I know that she. I mean, any of these characters that you choose, I don't want to hang out with them all the time. They're gonna fucking drive me nuts. And we know in Homer and Eddie, uh, depending on the timeline we choose here, she's either one gonna die. Or by getting shot, or two, she's going to die anyways because in the movie she has terminal cancer and only a month to live. So this, I don't have to spend so, much time with her. This is so typical, Steve, that you assume in this in this universe you're going to live in that you're going to be Homer and not a gas station attendant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get to hang out with her. I don't. I don't have to be oh. Homer. I mean, come on, Homer oh. is Homer. Homer! <laughs> I'm not going to take the Belushi thunder here. <laughs> Jesus, Homer's still Homer's still going, man. I'm going to get some of Homer's money because oh. he's rich. And the thing that really sold me, though, above all else, aside from the fact that I know she's going to die, is there's that scene where she just bashes her face into uh, a a mirror inside of a gas station. And I kind of feel like when I go back and I think about the weeks that we have spent watching all of these Whoopi Goldberg movies, that moment sticks out to me because... A lot of the time that I've spent in front of a television watching this shit, that's how I felt. Like, I'm just, I can't control my emotions. I just want to bash my face into a mirror. I mean, you could always go and visit her mother, too. That'd be a good time. Yeah, that's, that. I, you know, you could do that. I love visiting my mom in the graveyard. <laughs> I can't get over that. Where's your mom? Better check the graveyard. Ooh. No, she's just hanging out. Just goth ass mom. Wait, it's over and Eddie. <laughs> it's over and Eddie, really. The- <laughs> over and Eddie, I feel like it's really is the discovery of this for me. I'd never heard of that film, and even after having seen it, I still don't believe it exists. No, um, it's amazing film. It's it's unbelievable. It, that's really the big takeaway. Just, uh, yeah, watch Homer and Eddie. That's all you really need to know about Whoopi Goldberg's career. Okay, well, with that, if you enjoyed the show today, please do us a favor. In the description of this very podcast, there is a link. Click that link. It'll take you to our iTunes page. And there you can rate and review our show. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I will tell you it'd be a great idea if you gave us five stars. And make sure you do a written review. Written review is the most important part. That's what really boosts up our ranking on the old iTunes visibility. So, uh, yeah, do us fa- it'll take you like 10 seconds. What the fuck are you doing? You're quarantined. You got nothing better to do. Please, for the love of God, just click the link. In addition to that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or uh, you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And uh, Adam Myros is, is standing by with the inbox open, hitting refresh, waiting for you, dear listener to send him something. So uh, I guess I guess that wraps things up, guys. Uh, thank you so much for going on this journey with me. I feel fulfilled. I feel like I've grown. I'm a better person. And uh, this is this has really made my quarantine something special, something I'll never forget. So thank you. Homer! Take good care of her! All right, that's good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>